are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, the one healthy member of this podcast, eh. Tevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm healthy, I guess, so I guess I should count my blessings. And you are indeed, uh, for friends of the show who may or may not know, I did test positive with COVID the other day. I'm feeling okay, and we're not going to let it drag down the show, but I just figured I'd mention it in case you hear me coughing a little bit. Uh, you're, gonna... do, you're doing what everybody else has had to do whenever this has happened, which is you're already home. It doesn't mean we have to push a show off because we're doing stuff from home. I'm good. You're Absolutely. good. It, it is what it is. It's it's unfortunate, though. It sucks. So I, I feel for you for sure, especially with, you know, the progress that's being made around the around the country, at least. Absolutely. It's like you're getting we're getting close to the finish line. Like I. Like all this talk around, because I know you're out in Illinois now, as you mentioned before. But yeah. like all the talk around Philly now that the ballpark's getting close to opening up and all that stuff, and it's like we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel here. Like legitimately, I know we yeah. had said that. I, I feel like I'm repeating my words because I said that last May and June when we were trying to get hockey back. But now it's really true because we've actually seen some appreciable gain. <laughs> yeah, we have. And I well, and look, in fairness, and we we mentioned this, I guess one of the shows we did where I got my second shot. So I'm like, I've been in the clear for well over a month now. Or yeah. Not, yeah, about a month, actually. I was I was between doses. I had received yeah. my first dose about 10 days before my positive diagnosis. So it's awful. you love to see that. And I will be rescheduling. You love to see it. Yeah. And I will be rescheduling and, and maybe prioritizing Johnson & Johnson just to get the thing out of the way. <laughs> but either way, you mentioned the end of the finish line here. You mentioned the light at the end of the tunnel. and Let's get to we it. We finally got there with the Philadelphia Flyers. The season ended Thank on goodness. Monday. And listen, as far as meaningless end of the season, <laughs> essentially exhibition games go, Monday was kind of fun. Uh, Monday was all right. So here's how I'll try to describe it, because, you know, when I, I was on 97.3 on the previous Tuesday, I guess it was the second to last home game, the second game against Pittsburgh. And it was my second to last game down in the building. They still had four more left. As mean, I went on the air. You mean right before they got their doors blown off? Yeah, but I'm not surprised by that because the <laughs> night before they blew the doors off of the Penguins, which was like, totally. what the hell is this? Like, th that was, I, I actually honestly, like, I, I for look, with all due respect to what I do down there, I didn't feel like I had to be glued to the action every second of the game most Fair of enough. the time, especially after, let's just wait, the Penguins game on that Monday was also the first one against somebody not named the New Jersey Devils in, like, ho and home game-wise, probably in like three weeks, two and weeks. boy, it felt like it. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm, I'm I was almost bracing myself for another Flyers Devils game in that sense. Like, oh, it's going to be one of these ones where I'll keep an eye out, but like I can kind of be getting something else done on the side, like getting ahead. Right. I actually We've think, talked about it on the show. They kind of felt like beer league games. Yeah. And not only that, but I think for at least one of them, maybe two, I don't both of them. I don't remember. There was at least one of them where I was like, by the end of the game, I packed it up and I left and didn't even really stay for the media stuff because I'm like, there's nothing they're going to say at this stage of the season. They're already eliminated. Might, so it was probably the Saturday one because I'm going, they just got eliminated two days ago. There's nothing that they really can say. Like we already have heard the story. They're not going to talk about the end of the season until the actual end of the season. So it's like, right. I really don't need to hear anything you have to say at this point. I'm not going to share any of it anyway. I, I wasn't writing tape away articles at that point for that reason and i'm like you know what i'm just you know i watched it i'm out and it, it yeah. probably was that one too because they lost four to one. Oh, you know what it definitely was because i remember being mad because i wrote the headline as they got shut out and joel farabee scored with a minute 18 left yeah uh i i did want to spotlight 
you know, we're talking about the end of the season and kind of some meaningless games, but I did want to spotlight Joel Farabee real quick because he picked I, up a couple. He got to I, um I felt so good for him when he got that second one. The first one, uh, not that I didn't feel good for him, but the first one you go, okay, cool, he got another one. He, he's up to 19. But from that point on in that game, he was as determined as any player I've seen all year. He like That man you, wanted you, 20. You could see, and it was funny because like a week before he had said, I don't really care about that. He cared. He wanted wow. it. It's easy to say you don't care when you're on a little bit of a drought and you haven't been scoring too, too. But when you break it and all of a sudden you're close, you break that drought and all of a sudden you're close to hitting that 20 mark, it becomes a lot more But real. he must have scored. I mean, he must have scored in the last week and a half of the season. I think he scored like five goals or something like that. Almost the pace he was on at the beginning of the year. So you see the burst it was just It was just that two minute, two months in the middle. And I got to start working on. But he was okay then. He wasn't great, but he was okay. And like... He was. Well, listen, he the was Flyers that, he, had a lot of problems this year, and Joel Farabee was, was not a primary right. reason among them. Well, I, I kept telling you, there were moments where he would stand out in even the bad games, and I'm like, this is who you build around right now. This is a forward you build around. This guy is going to, I mean, he was already on pace. It's a, it's a second year, he's 21. He led the team in scoring with 20 goals, and he, that put him at a 30-goal pace for the season. And... So what's you know so what's the ceiling for him kind of you know it's like he's got a pretty good one obviously so you might want to keep him around and make sure that you utilize him as properly as you can because he's the good you know what the good news with him is and I and I say this with all due respect to what Oscar Lindblom went through when Oscar Lindblom was putting up the numbers and we're like look at what he's doing oh my goodness this is a top line winger kind of deal Joel Farabee looks like a top line winger right now. And I don't think something's going to derail that like cancer did to Oscar Lindblom. Knock on wood, this isn't right. good, but you get the point. Well, right. And I, and I do want to say that Oscar Lindblom did finish out the year really strong, and I think he deserves all the credit in the world for playing out the year, knowing that now he can get the full offseason in to really be ready to go. Absolutely. And that's the thing about Oscar Lindblom is, uh, was he a perfect hockey player this season? No. Was he a, a, con- you know, a continuing lineup from where he was before the diagnosis? No. But at the same time... But he still scored. He, he still he scored eight goals. He had a great season for again for kind of what he went through and what he came back from, and just a decent season overall. And the fact that you could just visibly see that he was not as strong as he wants to be, as big as he wants to be, like and not always tell. and not always energetic enough because it takes yeah. everything out of you. I mean, you're not kind of you're not really up to that game shape that quickly. And so he was trying his best, but it's like, yeah, he's gonna get tired and. I really, lose, I really do stick from to chemotherapy, and you, it's yeah, impossible it, it, to put that weight back on. In what did they have between him getting cleared in August and Jan- three months, four months between August and January? That was much. his full blown off season, and like it's not a real off season because you don't have access to all your training and all your blah blah blah. He had more than some though. If you ask, depending on who you ask, I guess. Well, because I'm sure he took every ounce that was available to him, and I know a lot of players well, he went didn't home. necessarily do that. He went home, though. That was another right. thing, too. He went back to Sweden and was like, it was, I, at one point in time, he was training with, I, I don't remember if it was exactly his former pro team out there, but he was training with somebody out there, and it's like, nice, he's on a, he's on a nice surface practicing. That's great. Yeah, but you, you can still see that he wasn't quite where he wanted to be physically, and that's something that will come with time, again, as he has another full, yeah. hopefully fairly normal offseason to well, kind of I, get back in the swing of things. And I go back to the eight goals for him, because I sit there, I, I know it doesn't sound significant, but eight goals when you didn't play a full season. In a short so season, right. So what's his pace? You know, like, was he, you know, is it possible that if they had... He didn't play in all 56, obviously, because he, he was on the COVID list at one point in time, and he was 
a healthy scratch at times. So in what he did play, and if he would have been able to go through all 56, let's say, does he get to 15, you know, or on pace for 15 in the first year back from cancer when he would have been probably a close to 30 goal scorer the year before fully healthy? I, like, if you're halfway there to that one year removed from cancer, then I think you can get back to 20. Absolutely. I, 20 is definitely well within the realm of possibility for Oscar Lindblom. And I, I think the questions about Oscar Lindblom's future are more about the team than him specifically. Because I think you and I both agree that he's a talented hockey player and he's going to put in the work to put a good effort forward. And I think at this point his production is going to come down a lot to who he's playing you also, with. You also couldn't have asked him this year to be what he was the year before, before all the cancer and before all the COVID and things like that, right? Because here's the problem with that. If you were asking for that, then you're sitting here saying, oh, he can run, like, essentially run a penalty kill. He can be a goal scorer. He can do that. And it's like, no, you can't rely on that from that guy. Not in that moment. Not when he, he went through all the stuff he went through. If you, if he was fully healthy, sure you, sure you could. But he, he wasn't, you know, or he wasn't the year before. So when he comes back in, and yes, he's got a clean bill of health, but he hasn't played in a year. You're asking an awful lot from the guy. Yeah, and and far be it from us to be the ones who are giving him a hard time uh, no like it's, said, that's we, exactly yeah. it i'm not giving him a hard time i'm sitting here saying kind of like if there's this anybody deserves the benefit of the doubt well not only that but i'm I, i'm looking at it i'm going you know what if there's anybody that i can sit there and say just wait till next year definitely just wait till next year with him because i don't think anything's changed with him i think he's got you know and you can see it like the, the islanders game where he scored two goals including the game winner that to me was like the sign that it's like Okay, he can he's still do it. Legs under him. He's but it's like, to, he can yeah. still do it. He's still got the knack for coming up big in key moments. It's just going to take some time to get there. And it was by that point it was like it's not going to happen this year, but it's okay, you know? For him it's okay. Yeah, and as we sit here and kind of look at the future of the Flyers cuz that's what a lot of this conversation is, right? Like we'll we'll talk about the locker clean-out stuff and, yep. you know, all the things that came out of that and kind of where this future is going. But in terms of the actual physical roster next year, honestly, at this point, there aren't a ton of names that I'm confident of that will be on the roster opening day 2021. Who are you confident of? And I'll see if I agree with any of them. Well, it's it's the guy who made his debut on Friday. Oh, well, all right. So here's the thing. He's going to be – he's not going anywhere – He's going to be on I the training camp roster for sure. Okay, th yes, that I agree with. Will and he I be think on he starts in the top. It's top. I think he starts the season in the top six. I can see it. I think they're grooming him for that. I don't want to completely solidify that response yet. Like I would say, tentatively, I'd say yes. But and yes, and, you, and you've and, been and, doing the show long enough that you know I like my bold statements. Yes, I know. I, well, and here's <laughs> look. Here's the other thing about it. Truthfully, I liked what I saw from him. In, in the two games I had to watch on TV because we weren't in Washington, obviously, and the game I did get to see him in person. He's got poise. You can see it. He's got poise, especially in situations you know where he can actually step up offensively. He's definitely got that. I just don't know if from, you know, they, they need him to be good defensively, and I'm not saying he won't be down the road. I just think that just if, if there's one thing you can learn from this season, don't shoot for the stars in year one of this kid's career. Like, don't say, oh, he's going to come in and instantly be something. You know, right. I, I, and I understand that there are examples around the league that have, you know, Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr. It's like they, you know, it's like a fish to water. But, but you know, those like are they're, special, they're, they're, special players. They are special, special players. But the idea is that, like, 
and I've, I actually think I've mentioned this. I don't remember if I mentioned this to you or if I mentioned this on Open Ice Hits with Bros at one point. I'm like, we have started to associate these top picks in a draft as if they're all Matthews and McDavid. Like, everybody's special. If you went first overall, you're special. And it's like, you could be special, but it doesn't mean you're always going to be special. Like, I don't, like, at the end of the day, do you think that, and I, I'm not trying to compare ones and twos completely here, but, like, do you really think that down the, down the road, we're going to sit there and go, Nico Heischer was a special player in that regard? Like, no. the best player on the team. Like, I think his teammate's going to be more special than he is. I think Jack Hughes is a more special player than Nico Heischer will be. I think that's entirely That doesn't fair. mean that Nico yeah. Heischer's a bad player. He's a great player. But is he going to be that kind of level? Like, he's not going to be Connor McDavid, I can tell you that. But, no, but he might be Ryan Nugent Hopkins. But we, but we want him to be like right. we can, when you come out of years where it was McDavid, then Matthews, then you know n- n- whoever the next one in line may be. It's like we all we want all of them to be that good, and they're not all going to be that good. Right. It just it just doesn't work that way. Like you, every time you make a pick, it doesn't matter where you are. You could be picking first. You could be picking fifth. You could be picking thirtieth. I don't care. You're taking a chance on the fact that the kid is going to respond the right way, develop the right way, get the necessary training, and get the necessary coaching he needs at that level too, to then take the steps to become the best player. Where does that kind of situation work or work in your favor or where you say, I saw something? I, like, te- well, technically, I see it in Oscar Limblom, guy who was picked fifth round, who works his way up, gets there, shows, has some success. I see it in Wade Allison this year. Wade Allison. Go through the adversity of being hurt in college. Get get the right you know competition in place. Have success at the minor league level. Then come up and, and run with your opportunity. Top of your head. I, I saw this the other day. How okay. many games did Wade Allison play this year? Uh, Wade Allison played, I think, by the end of it, 13. It was 14. Okay. And that's way more than I thought because maybe I was a little checked out on this team, but I really thought he played like six or seven games. He snuck nope. in way more games than I thought he did. No, and see, here's the thing, too. Like... I saw a lot of stuff the whole time. Like when when Shane Gossespierre got suspended for the two games in Washington, and then was going to come back. Like I saw people going, they better not scratch York though. Like they should be playing these kids. And I'm sitting there like, and I forget what game it was, but I remember having to send a comment like, who do you want them to play? Like what kid do you are they not playing that you want them to play? Jackson Cates. Nothing against Jackson Cates, but he's an undrafted free agent that they that they signed. Right. Is that the priority you know, here? Like, <laughs> like not that it's not the priority, but I'm like, do you like Tanner Lazinski's hurt? If he wasn't hurt he'd probably be playing right now right you know same thing with some of these others or they did give some of these other guys chances and they say okay no go back we're, we're not gonna you know we're not putting a ton of stock into these games completely to sit there and say that this is what you are but I think that truthfully there was stock in the games because Wade Allison came up and then never sat for a game he came in he played he played his he first got in game. the lineup and he got played. in the lineup played his first game looked really good played his second game scored his first goal and that there was no looking back and he did not have he huge success he didn't have huge success though but he had enough that you're like he's worth a spot right now he's worth a lineup spot compared to you know who else i guess you know jackson gates i guess right like it, you didn't need to be playing a guy who you're just kind of scouting for your fourth line over a guy who fit on your second line Wade Allison, from what I've seen of him, he's a player that I really, really, really want to see more of next year. Because this year, he came up, it was a little bit of an audition situation, right? Play for your job, right? play your buns off, and he got his chance and he played his buns off. Can he come next year and be a regular everyday NHLer and just kind of be one of the guys and not a Phantoms call-up? And I'm curious to see that out of him because, uh, like you said, I think he looked 
really, really good. One of the better flyers over the last month of the season. Not that well, that's he saying was, a whole lot. He was one of the reasons you tuned in, though, because he was he was still new. Exactly. He was, you know, I, I, I liken it to when Lindblom made his debut, and it's like, well, I'm going to watch to see this kid because he looks pretty good. I like, you know, I like what he's done so far. I'm going to watch to see what he can do. And you watch to the end and see him in the lineup and things like that. Now, here's the thing with some of this stuff, because... I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I I don't want to see Wade Allison back. That's not the message I'm trying to send. But here's my kind of off-season thought for you. You can't become attached to anybody who you think can make your team better. So if Wade Allison's got to go to get a defenseman, you, then he's got to go. Like if you are entirely not wrong. That's well because that's because at the, the end of the comes, day, if if yeah. somebody looks and says four goals, seven points in 14 games, I believe is what it was, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I know it was four goals. I believe he also had three assists and finished with seven points in the 14 games, a lot of which came in the very tail end of the season, by the way. Like, his last five games, he was on a roll. He was on an absolute roll. Um, but that being said, if you need to get a piece, and right now he might be an attractive name because of the fact that people are going to go back to the most recent stuff and go, looked good against Pittsburgh, looked good against Washington, looked good against New Jersey at times. All right, I'll take a flyer on this kid. And, it was and, it was three assists for seven points, by the way. Okay, and I, like I said, I don't know what the number was in the last five games, but I, I know that he had either two or three of his goals in the last five or six, and at least two of his assists in the last, so I think he had four points right. in the last five or six, which is pretty impressive down the stretch. Right, so now we have to evaluate how much does that matter and how much was that garbage time. Well, and, and it's, it's probably a little bit of both, but at the same time I sit there and go, I don't look, toward the end of it, especially the Washington game where he scored two goals over the weekend, I go, there was the shot. You got the shot, you know. We saw him score greasy goals. We saw him score, you know, in, in different ways. We had kind of heard about it at the uh, minor league level and things like that. But And for the record, he did have nine points in eight games with the Phantoms this year. So at the very minimum, you're getting a guy who can produce at the AHL level. Right. Like it's it, it basically the whole point I'm trying to make with this is that again it's not specific to Wade Allison but it's just along the lines of here's a guy who showed a little something. Right. Do not become so fully attached to anybody, and I and I mean this not from a, not even from a fan standpoint. The management side of it, you can't be attached to anybody that you would like to see reach more potential or whatever, if or whatever you think it is, if you can get the pieces you need now because you really. You need to operate this offseason slash, you know, building anything going forward right now. You need to operate in preparation for next season like everyone's ass is on the line. And I think, as far as I'm concerned, it is. But you need to operate like that. Like, Chuck Fletcher's got to be working for his job right now. Yep. And the offseason uh, officially began on Tuesday, and we did have some some locker clean-out exit interviews to talk about. Uh, you know, talking about the future of the Flyers, nobody's safe what what was the message from kind of the uh, the management here moving forward out of, out of exit interviews? No, don't make me laugh. I mean, I heard a lot of excuses. You know, I you know, I'm look. I'm sorry. I, I I'm not sitting here telling you now. And listen, I I do sympathize to, from one angle of that conversation. By the way, because and I'll get into that in a minute because that was more of a player thing than a management thing. So I do sympathize with a certain part of it. I don't want to hear from management about how it was a COVID year, about how 
training was tough for players. Because these are things every team dealt. With. Every team dealt with it, but at the same time, like like it, like, did you hear the one? Like, you heard the thing about the Canada stuff, where players in Canada didn't have access to stuff as much, I guess. So it's like, oh, they might not have trained as like they would have, or maybe they needed to work harder to find it or whatever. Like, it sure sounded like it was like half. I'm gonna pass the buck off to the next guy, and half. Well, just making an excuse. You know, Canada's going through some stuff right now, right? Like, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Half the league's from Canada anyway, by the way. Like, right. And, 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 and like, as I said this on my 97.3 spot, like, the, the, the day of, like, right after the exit interviews were over and all that stuff. I'm like, you know, there's, there's a player who lives in Canada, plays in Canada, had COVID at one point in time, and still came back and put up 100 points in 53 games. He's pretty good, you know? I think some people have heard of him. Right. You know, like uh, I believe it wasn't it came a problem. At some point that Austin Matthews was confirmed, he had COVID. He still yeah. Now see, to he's different. Now see, he's different though. No, yes. Now he's he's different though because he was training out of Phoenix, so it's a little different. He he's Valid. a U.S. kid, so it's like okay, you're um, not not a Canadian. Yeah, yeah. See, you can't use the Canada thing on him. Now he plays in Canada, but he was right. able to train here. So all right, I can't go Valid. there with that. But but Connor McDavid had it. It was known he had it, and. Lives in Canada, plays in Canada, doesn't have to do anything. You know, he's li he lives there and plays there. That's the way it is, you know. And he comes out and literally has probably the best statistical season we've seen in a quarter century. Probably the best individual player effort I've seen since I really started paying attention to hockey in roughly 2000. I mean, if people are, if people are out there telling you you had the best season since... Guys that go when, by when go, names like well, Mario Lemieux and I was about Gretzky to say, what, and Bobby Orr start popping up in your. Well, I was about to say it's, it's 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 the guys who are on a single name basis, right? Like when they sit there and go, "This is the best season we've seen since Mario." You don't need you, an, exactly you don't need another name. Well, sometimes you need Luigi, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just saying nobody nobody nobody's sitting there saying Wayne. Was that just Charmier Yager's job? Was he just Luigi? Sorry. Well, I, I, well, no, I've never <laughs> thought about it like that, but that's a great point. I mean. I mean, Yager put up a lot of points in his day, too, obviously. Well, sure, and Luigi's a very decent character. He's just <laughs> no Mario. <laughs> See, he, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Listen, come for, the, come for the... Come for the hockey talk and stay for the uh, Stay for the Super Mario Brothers talk. takes, absolutely. Yeah. Wait until we get into the summer shows. We're going to do a full-blown What's Your Favorite Video Game, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to bore people to death with my stuff, then. Yeah, I, I probably will, too. But either, either way... Um, <laughs> You mentioned what's the, what, what's the least surprising video game that we both would sit there and say we play? Chell. Do you think it might be NHL? You know. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Either way, uh, we we can't go off the rails I, again. This might be a little bit of a shorter show. We 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 don't have time to go off the rails. Yeah, uh, <laughs> especially not like the way we did yet last week. Oh man. Um. Yeah. Uh, exit. Exit. Dave Scott. Talk me through what Dave Scott had to say as the owner representation. Whatever his official title is, president of the team, whatever. whatever did you read? Did you read the article in the Enquirer? Yeah, so that's I've, heard, what, I've heard the media availability. That's what he had to say, and he took five. He he gave an opening statement that was a lot of those similar comments. Mentioned how he wanted to commend Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vigneault, and said the alignment between ownership and management is as good as, as it's been in his eight years with the franchise, um, and blah blah blah, and things like that. And then so basically, what, and, what and then hearing, took and then took five questions in five minutes and had an out. So what we're hearing is that uh, management's fine with this, and there will be no accountability. 
I said that already, though. Like I told you, it's a, because the owner is not Dave Scott. Like Dave Scott doesn't own the Flyers. Dave the Scott's not making. Comcast owns the Flyers, and that's. But the Dave, Dave Scott is not directly making money off of the Flyers per se. He's making money off of they're on NBC. They're on. You know, they sell merch. They sell food at the games. They pay. You have people paying for parking. People paying for tickets. You know, and granted. I think I saw an article today, this is unrelated to the Flyers specifically, but it was, you know, all the seating limitations at games and things like that around the league cost the NHL like $3.6 billion. Yeah, I saw that in the Athletic also. And I get, and yeah. I get where they're coming from that because at the end of the day, it depended on where you were to be able to get people back in. If you were lucky, you might have, you know, you might have had half of your season, kind of like the Flyers did. You got probably about half of your home games. If you were not as lucky but you still got a little something – you you were Chicago. You got the last two games of the season, and that was it. If you were Canada, you got nothing, and you literally paid to play your season because you had to pay to operate the building, even though there was nobody else there. So I, I'm not actually sure of the answer to this. Is the NHL does that operate like most other sports, where playoff games are essentially pure profit for the ownership? Because I know, I, I believe it's in football. Players only get played for the six, six, 16, 17, 18 weeks, however many weeks are in their regular season now. Yeah. And then now, once you get to the playoffs, the gate is essentially 100% profit. It probably is to the players, but there are bonuses that still can be paid based on where you get well, to or if you have it worked into your contract and things sure, like that. Sure, like, but I there's just mean in general, you're no longer paying your no, there's no yeah, there's dollar no, salary cap. There's you're no paycheck. You're paying whatever the – right. Yeah, there's no paycheck at that point. Basically, once you get to the playoffs, it's, it's the playoffs. Now, I wonder if Comcast knows they could have had a full postseason, a full building if they had made it. Well, I don't I, – look, I don't know where it goes beyond it's that. It's a good way to I, recoup your money. Well, that's that's the issue. It it's it's not affecting them the same way it would affect other people because first of all, that's also that's also part of the revenue sharing that goes into the league's thing. So, in other words, when the league says we lost all, like we missed out on all this money because of gate revenue, it's less to do with the individual teams and more to do with the sharing that you get from that. Like, I I real I really truly don't think that at the end of the day that the people over at Comcast who own the team are sitting there going, we felt like we lost a ton of money like because i don't like, think there's any need in comcast office to say we have to make the playoffs right like in other words and, and again it has less to do with who show like it doesn't matter who's showing up it's just that they're showing up now granted spoiler alert nobody showed up this season it's and it's and it is uh, it's terribly a sad situation to watch the building not even be able to get 3100 people in it I mean, they had, look, they uh, they had decent crowds at maybe the last couple of home games, and again, they were doing different like I don't want to call them promotions or theme nights they, or they anything. Were like that, but they promotions. were doing some we stuff. We know Pride Night happened, uh, military appreciation, military awareness, night happened. and you know, or appreciation night. Yes, there were definitely like nights that were designed to sell more tickets. To, but to an extent, because even then, like you're not a thousand percent sure. Like I'll tell you right now, that game against New Jersey at the end of the season, probably a split fifty fifty in fandom. Yeah, but how many of those people, how many of those Flyers fans wouldn't have been there? That's the thing. It, it would have looked a lot like a Washington Capitals game <laughs> if if there wasn't that promotion. You know what I'm saying? Or if the Devils I were guess. better, let's be real. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, and look, I don't want to spend the whole show doing this or har- no. you know, har- harping oh. on what the problem is with ownership or whatever. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole different story at this point. Not only that, but I mean... There's just a lot of issues there, but at the end of the day, 
you need to go out and do your own job as best you can. And I don't look. I don't know. Yeah, it's, speaking of people doing their job the best they can, I did want to point out uh, a little stat that Charlie Charlie O'Connor mentioned in his uh, athletic interview. He did a little Flyers grade. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, grades. Yeah, sure. Well, g- grades for everybody, and I'm not going to spoil the article. It's behind a paywall. You can go subscribe to the Athletic. But he did mention the stat that Carter Hart was the worst regular NHL starting goaltender since. Do you know? Did you read the article? I didn't read the article. To be, to be yeah, honest, let me, let me give you the year. Let me see well, if you hold, can name hold, the goalie. Hold on one second before you do that, because okay. when did the, when did the article come out? Was it like Wednesday? This, this morning, or okay. it might have been Tuesday. Wednesday. I don't remember. Well, the only reason I'm saying my is life because, is a fog right well, now. Well, and and look, the only reason that I am saying that is because I got through the game on Monday night. I sat through all the exit interviews on Tuesday, which probably lasted about four hours between. <sighs> Well, let's put this way. Like, you it almost felt like watching this team play. Well, you got no. You got to understand some. It was four hours long, but you got to understand that it was uh, Av and Chuck Fletcher first, then Dave Scott, and when that was over, it was about noon, and then it was the wave of players that came in, and I believe the total was like nineteen. Now, ironically enough, right. by the way, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I want you to. I want to ask you if you noticed by any chance, just from browsing around, whether it was me tweeting stuff, anybody else tweeting stuff, whatever. Who wasn't there? Who didn't do an exit interview? Uh, I did not. Jake Voracek, with the media at least. I'm sure right. he had an exit interview with I'm his sure he did, management. Right. But you know what I mean. Like he did, he was not part of the media availability, and we Oof. and and obviously on Tuesday we were done. That was right. the last day. Uh, before we get off it, I do want to see if you had an answer here. Yeah, go ahead. So what okay. you're going to give me the year and then see. So if so I, the, year the year is, is going to help me immensely. 2010. Carter Hart had was the worst regular starter in more than a decade in the NHL. By the way, which is 2009, already... 2010. Yep. Well. You're thinking he, all the great goalies from that era, right? Henrik Lundqvist was in the league. Ryan Miller was at the top of his. Oh, game. okay. So like, it's, wait a minute. So okay. So no, see, no, no, no. It's a bad goalie. But no, no, you're no, probably no, no, thinking no, all no, the good no, no, goalies. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that you're going to tell me. So it doesn't have to be a flyer. No, 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 no. Okay. See, NHL I, like, you, starting goal. You hit me. You hit me with oh nine ten, and I'm going. Oh wait, like <laughs> that we did that last show. We, we think, talked about all these. Goalies. I think I know who it is actually. Uh, Okay, no, it, it is not a flyer. But no, okay. but I think I know who it is then because I distinctly remember a significant goaltending name who had an outstanding year not long after. Like who I don't think we're back. talking about the same person. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. I'm sorry. So my see, my guess, I was leaning towards Tim Thomas. Uh, no, it was uh, Vasa Toscala. Oh well, okay then. It wasn't an elite goalie at all. <laughs> no. I thought it was. <laughs> I never said it was an elite goalie. No, I know. But- <laughs> I was just look, look, either way, but that's that's the category. But, Carter but correct me, I say correct me if I'm wrong. Tim Thomas lost the starting job that year to Tuka Rask in the playoffs, and like and for the to playoffs, the Philadelphia the last, Flyers. Well, yeah. no, well, Tuka Rask lost the series. I think that, I think right. it was no, I think it was already done by then. Like I know for a fact, Tuka came in at some point because I was at Game Six and Tuka Rask was playing that game. Tuka Rask was playing in I think most of those games. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like I, I fully remember he was the goalie that year, and then the next year, Tim, Tim Thomas, Thomas took was the back. crease back and they won the cup. Yeah, I'm actually going. I'm actually I want to look up his stats really quick from that year. One of the strangest relationships in the entire NHL is the relationship between Tuka Tuka Rask and Boston Bruins fans. Yeah, that, okay, those no, those numbers. Okay, so that's interesting. Those person like those individual numbers wouldn't qualify as the worst season by any stretch, because in oh nine ten Tim Thomas had a nine fifteen save percentage and two fifty six goals against, which is pretty darn good. Pretty good. The the irony is he had a seventeen eighteen and eight record. Whew. 
Wow. Yeah, which isn't very good at all. Now, I'm, wow. uh, now I can check, I believe. I want to see if I... Yeah, here it is. Where's the playoff stuff? So, yes, you know, 9-10, he never played a game. Tuka Rask kind of won so the crease So, Tuka Rask won the job that year. And then the next year, Rask won a cup, or, or Thomas won a cup, 25 games, 16-9 and record, 940 save percentage, and a 198 goals against in the playoffs as they won the cup. Seems okay. And and four shutouts, one of which I believe was the Game 7 clincher. I don't believe he won the Consmite that year, but he certainly should have. Now you're going to make me look that up. The Boston Cup, was it Was it Bergeron? No, it definitely. Like a, it, it wasn't Bergeron, I don't think. Um, I'm trying to think as I, as I look through it. I mean, do you know a player? It, it wasn't this player either, but do you know a player who had a really good series or a good playoff that year? Okay. Mark Recchi. Yeah, he did. For Boston, had an insanely good playoff like those two years. Um, Mark Recchi was an animal, especially once playoff time rolled in. Mark Recchi, no matter what jersey he was wearing, and boy, if you know anything about NHL history, you know he wore a lot of them. Mark Recchi came Oh, he did. He did win the Conn Smythe. Uh, uh, Tim Thomas Tim did. Tim Thomas did. Yes, he did win the Conn Smythe that year. So that means Carter Hart next year. Step it up, buddy. <laughs> how, how, well... Look, he he's one of the most recent goalies to win the Conn Smythe. It hasn't happened all that. It hasn't happened much at all in the last decade. Oh, I Sid shouldn't have won both of those for sure. Uh, Matt Murray deserved at least the Nashville one. Hundred. I agree. I'll agree with that. I think the first one there wasn't as much of an argument, but yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Either way, uh, exit interviews. Is there anything yes. else we have to touch on here, or was this team uh, just kind of depressing? Yes, on we the do. Way we, yes, okay. we do because we didn't really talk about the player side of it. We did talk about the management side, and I'm done talking about the management side. Um, but there were two things that really stood out, and Nolan Patrick's one of them, and then Carter Hart's the next. Now, Nolan Patrick, I look. I don't. I'm not. I'm indifferent to whether or not he's back as a flyer. If they try to give him another shot, it's going to be cheap. We all know it. If they don't, I'm not heartbroken over it like and look I'm a media member so I'm not saying it breaks my heart that he's not gonna be around anymore that's not what I mean like I'm saying like it's like if you're talking about making your team better I don't think there's a difference between okay we we're gonna give him one more shot to see if he clicks and has the potential that we think he does no or not make or break in your team right or we decide to move on it really isn't gonna make or break the situation at the end of the year so like or you know at the end of the day for going into the year so I'm really indifferent to it but he really did sound down on himself which at least Kinda tells you deserves to be a little bit he does but at least it tells you he cares about it like like he got asked does the lack of offensive production weigh on you and he just flat out said yeah sure absolutely right. like, it would be easy for him to write this season off and just say or it would right, also it's done. and it would also be easy for him to sit there and think or or not think but to try to then spin the question you know like does the lack of offensive production weigh on you at all no, it doesn't weigh on me. I'm just trying to get better every day. You know, he could right. he could have hid behind one of those cliche answers, and he flat out just said, yeah, it really does. It sucks. You know, and when he was asked about, like, preparing for next season and things like that, he says it's the most important offseason of my life. You know, and he's right. He's not wrong. Because this is, again, make or break for you. Like, you've got to either show that you are legitimately that pick, you know, the second overall pick in a draft, or if you are pretty much a bust. So this is this is a bit of a big question. Sure. Uh, we mentioned next year being uh, a make-or-break year for Nolan Patrick. How much of it is a make-or-break year kind of organizationally? 
Like I, we've talked a lot about the Claude Giroux thing and the Jake Voracek thing and kind of the core where it's at. Sean Couturier isn't part of that. <sighs> Next year, if the team comes out and starts 10 and 25 or whatever, however they start and they look like they yeah. looked this season. we I know we have talked about the nuke kind of coming this summer. Mm-hmm. After the statements from management, I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the case. How far into next season do we get before Alain Vigneault's gone, Jake Voracek's traded, uh, Claude Giroux's traded, et cetera? Like, how often before, yeah, before we the, go the, nuclear? Before crazy things happen. Before Comcast about, drops the nuke on this team. About the same amount of time as it was two seasons ago, Thanksgiving. Okay. And, and uh, assuming, saw... assuming the start is normal. You know, like, if you start at the normal time of the year and you get through a month and a half of this... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're assuming that the NHL is starting on or around October 10th. If you, have, like another, kind of if you have another month and a half, like you just had in March in April, pretty much, I mean, take out the last little portion of April, I guess, but, like, mostly... That's if you jump have, time. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm like... Like, where they were kind of more back and forth than they were just losing a bunch of games in a row. You have a month like that where you went from eleven four and three to whatever. I don't care what it was. Like I, we know what the five twenty eight. No, we know what the, we know what the finish record was. I'm saying before you get to the, um, the you know whatever what was at the end of April. Let's say with five games left, six games right. left. Whatever After the awful awful portion of the season, right? If you have another month and a half like that, nobody's surviving this. And. Uh, I- this might be a literal, a little on the nose, a little literal. Mm-hmm. Do you mean literally everybody, as in Ivan Provorov, Carter Hart? Like, do do we see the entire franchise turnover essentially over the next, let's call it, twenty four months? I wouldn't say that, but here's where I'll here's where I'll take this for you. This is a big year because of the fact that, I, and I'm dead serious when I say this. This is you know because this is what I heard from two players who are going to be key decisions for this franchise moving forward. If you don't start to turn the corner in the right way, then Claude Giroux is not going to be a lifelong flyer, and neither will Sean Couturier. And both of those are supremely disappointing from a, from a personal standpoint. And that's, me, and that's me saying that not like, oh, they don't want to be here per se, but th- these are two players that are sitting here going, something's not right. I don't know how to fix it on my own, you know, because they're only one player. At what point and Cla- do we start using the words change of scenery? Well, and not only that, but like Claude Giroux is going to be 34 years old when all this rolls around, right? So if Claude Giroux is 34 years old and is sitting there at the end of the year at, at this exit interview on Tuesday going, I want to win and I'm pretty pissed off about where we are right now. He didn't say it lightly. He said it dead seriously and said it with some vigor to to it to an extent where it's like, you got a contract year coming up. Now, either he's going to go out and, again, have to try to carry you to be the most successful team you can be, which it can't be anymore. It just can't. Or he's go- or he's going to, quite possibly, walk at the end of that and say, you know what? I love it here, but I just don't see the direction going the way that I want it to go, and I want to win before my career is over. I'm out. And you know and- what? That will upset me greatly as a Flyers fan. And it, and realistically, see here's and here's why I'm saying this is why it's going to go this way because at the end of the day, what you need to realize as as an as an ownership group, as a team, as a franchise, the whole deal is you're already losing people now. Yep. If you don't do something big this offseason and turn it around, and it does look, can it? It could involve a lot of the same players. Honestly, it doesn't have to be crazy wholesale changes. I think you need something significant to happen, but it doesn't have to be crazy wholesale changes. 
if because that maybe that does something. I don't know what it would be. Maybe it's you know maybe you make another trade that is the e- the reminiscent easiest, of the Matt Niskanen trade or something like that. Right. The easiest cleanest solution here is that Seattle takes JVR or Jake Voracek, and the Flyers use essentially that money. To go sign a top pair defenseman. To go sign a guy like Dougie Hamilton or something like yeah. that. Right. I got I you. would be very, very, very interested in a Dougie Hamilton signing. Yeah, I, I hear you. Now, so here's 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 kind of going back to my point, though. So if you don't figure it out this offseason, at least do something to try to change the culture a little bit and create, a bit of, uh, create an identity again. Because if you don't do this, this is where you're headed at this point. You're already you already have an apathetic fan base. It's, you're already there at this point. You couldn't sell out 3,100 seats in a building in the middle of a pandemic when people have been locked up for a year and were finally told, you can go do something. It's not, not the most ideal situation, but at the end of the day, you can go do something. And there were people who ran the first game they could, and it's like, yes, I want to be back in that building. But you had a lot of people who just decided instead, I want to go see my team on the road, and I can travel to it because I either live in that area or I can get there. If you're not changing anything drastic over next over the off season here, if if there isn't like you mentioned a culture shift a little bit, mm-hmm. you're gonna sell out opening night because you always sell out opening night. You're gonna sell out your Pittsburgh Penguins games. I don't even know if they'll do that. Uh, you will because okay, it's, no, all right, it's no, Sid no, no, all right. and it's the Penguins and you will. All right, fa- no f- false. Then I'll tell you what it is. Beyond it's a, that, no, though, it's a false. It's a false sense of sellout because you'll sell out the building. Uh, yeah, there but you're going, uh, yeah. but you're going to have a big time split, and it's going to look really, really bad. Yeah, and and you're going to see that a lot, right? We saw that against Washington a couple of weeks ago, and I, I was watching it against the freaking New Jersey Devils. Uh, yeah. You know, and you know it's bad when the Devils have more fans than you because they're three years, four, five years deep in a rebuild. Whatever, whenever Taylor Hall got out of there. They're three years deep in a rebuild. They've had the number one overall pick twice in the last five years. Like, if the Devils have more fans than you, you got problems. If the Devils are traveling to come to your building, you got problems. Right. Especially when you're talking about a limited capacity. So my point is that it's make or break because I I already said it earlier. If If you're the head coach of this team, if you're the general manager of this team, if you're anybody with some form of a significant role, you're already on alert. You have to be. You have your to seat, be. your seat going into the season is burning. Everybody's seat is warm, and it, it's got to be. And I really, honestly think it's everybody from maybe not specifically Dave Scott, but pretty much everybody under Dave Scott, all the way down to Cla- uh, to Claude Giroux, to Carter Hart, to et cetera, et cetera. I did have one more point, real quick, about Carter Hart, or uh, before uh, about Claude Giroux before we get off him, real quick. Sure. And it's the fact that, yeah. I would be really, really sad if Claude Giroux walked away at the end of the contract or signed a trade me at the trade deadline contract. And we all we both know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That would make me very sad as a Flyers fan. But first and foremost, I think Claude Giroux has done enough for this organization that he deserves to go win if that opportunity exists for him. And I also wanted to mention that down the last six weeks, eight weeks of this season, you can doubt a lot of the heart in this team. You don't doubt Claude Drew's heart. That man dragged you to at least two or three wins that you shouldn't have had. Yep, for sure. And look, my problem with with all this stuff with Claude Drew is that he becomes the centerpiece of the team all the time when he's one guy. And I understand, look, he doesn't have to be... 
He really does. He does not need to be the guy who leads you constantly. If he's leading your team in points and he was tied with Jake Voracek and James Van Riemsdyk, which should tell you all you need to know about how much they relied on young players to step up and fill that role and then didn't get it from anybody who was not named Joel Farabee, pretty much. I mean, and again, we already talked about Oscar Lindblom, expected it to be down. That's not the point. Sure. It's where was Travis Konechny in that conversation? Sean Couturier was doing well but missed enough time that it was kind of insignificant. Like, Sean Couturier ended up missing basically a quarter of your season. Yeah, it's a real shame. That that injury is kind of one of the bigger what-ifs for the season. Because... The funny part, though, is or the, iron, or the ironic part is they won a lot of those games without him. He came back, and yeah. all of a sudden it was like this, you know, I want to call it a mess, but it was like he came back and things were even worse than they were before, and the thought was, like, that's why we felt so good going into March. We felt good about going into March with the record they had because it was like everything's going to fall back into place now with Man, they Sean Couturier really coming poorly, back. but their record is still this good. But that we also sat right. there and looked and went, Sean Couturier was hurt. Phil Myers was hurt. They're going to get these guys back. They're going to get healthier. They're going to get talent back. It's going to be good, right? And yep. those guys didn't do what they needed to do. And Sean Couturier even admitted he had, a, he had a bit of a down year and hit by his standards, and that's true. I agree yeah. with that. And you heard Elaine Vigneault say it. You know, by no means did Sean Couturier have a bad season. It just but wasn't a coots. It wasn't a coots season, and one of the things we were missing out of him this year was the two way play, was the two hundred right. foot hockey, and there wasn't that element of a shutdown. And it's one of the things the Flyers kind of relied on last year in the playoffs in the bubble was kind of that defensive responsibility and to the best of their ability, and the fact that Sean Couturier, your your reigning Selkie winner, was. Quite Not, frankly, fairly medium defensively this season. Yeah, and the fact that Kevin Hayes took a little bit of a step back in that in that ballpark it was, too. It was it, a pretty significant step back, from my opinion. You know, from my vantage point. Right. So you're looking at you lost two. Essentially, you lost two of your better forwards from a defensive responsibility standpoint. And there were a it, lot of nights where your best center was Claude Giroux playing center again. Yeah, and Claude Giroux did look great going back to center, and to give him a little bit more credit, he said, yes, coach, no problem, coach, I'll go play center, where I've been pretty bad for the last three years, and he turned it around and put a decent performance on. Yeah, um, so, all right, let me let me move forward, because we're going to wrap yeah, up with the yeah. uh, playoffs and stuff really quick, but like playoffs for everybody else, I should say, not for the Flyers. No. <laughs> I do want to bring up Carter Hart, because Carter Hart talked a lot about adversity and using it as a momentum thing. We and know trying he to had build a tough season. And, and, he knows, and he knows it, and he sounded better. Like He sounded like he's like, you know, my mentality was getting back to where I wanted it to be. That was all good news, but he, he really touched on the kind of impact that this season had on younger players, not necessarily from the training aspect of it before it, but from the living situation standpoint where he didn't go anywhere like he was supposed to for a lot of the early part of the season. And right. he, he talked about how when you're struggling like he was, especially after, I don't know, you take your pick February into March or whatever. 6-1 Buffalo. Well, that was early in the year, but like 6-1 Buffalo, 6-1 I, Boston. <laughs> you know, it, it did, but they were we, – we, we always chalked up the Boston ones though to – they gave him no help. Like, he was right. asked to do a ton. And then it just became a regular thing. He was not playing the way we expected him to. And that's that and I, problem. And I sit there and I look. I sit there and I look at that and I go, all right, listen. Here's the thing with this. He talked about it and it's like we've all kind of gone through this in some way, shape, or form. Okay? Whether we're 22, 22, 23 like he is. Or whether we're, you know, late 20s, in your 30s. Even if you're the parent with kids, you know. 
And granted, most of these guys have kids who are much younger than like school age where you're like it takes a toll on you from what you have to do to accommodate a kid right. of that age. But beyond that point, most of these is people this. with kids have like toddlers, right? Right, but and beyond that point, it's like listen, if if you were just able to do one thing, like let's put it this way, for me, the idea that at the end of the day that all right, I go, I'm I'm working from home, I'm doing everything else from home, I'm watching games from home, I'm waiting for the season to start, I may get to go to one game during the week to go and break it up, but in the off season before that even, okay, you know what I am allowed to do? I can get in the car with my wife and we go over and we go grocery shopping. It's nothing spectacular, but it's out of the house for an hour. It's catharsis. Right. It's, it is. Very much so. And you go, all right, I feel like I did something. You take a drive to go pick up food. You go do this. You know what I mean? And, and for these players, it's to the practice arena, back. To the rink, At least at the back. beginning, yes. And now, granted, the players had to abide, and the coaches as well, obviously, I assume, the Players and coaches had to abide by a certain set of protocols that limited them in this protocol. right. That limited them in this regard, and that's fine. Uh, like obviously, in order for this to be pulled off the proper way, and even look, even then, teams went through COVID situations. It still happened. The uh, bottom most, line: most teams in the NHL did really throughout the season. Yeah, kind of. Um, so you go okay. Even with that in mind, there comes a certain point where you start to see where things go the right direction. Like, for example. We didn't stop, like I didn't anyway, didn't stop hanging out with certain people who I considered part of my inner circle for the last year. I would limit myself. I would sit there and say, I don't care if these are the only two people we get to see to hang out with people. We get to, we can go to their place and they can come to ours. And it's like, we don't have to, like, we know where everybody's going and we can try to, that's the closest thing we can do to being responsible about it without right. sacrificing everything. Doesn't mean that in the meantime, like, we're not going to movies. We're not going to restaurants. Most of those things were closed anyway, but beside the point, it was like we're not trying to act like we so desperately need to do that. It's why my wife and I have waited to this point to be like, you know what? A month and a half from now, we can take a vacation. Two months from now, we feel like we can go to a concert because we did the waiting and then we did our job after the fact and in the Flyers' words when they did the campaign, took the shot and – I was starting to get there. I know, but took the shot and went, all right, now we feel like we're in a spot where we can actually do these things, you know, and not worry about it. Like, I turned around and even said with all the stuff that came out in the news about masks and things like that, even just earlier today, we could tell our friends who have also been vaccinated fully, come over. And as long as we sit there and say, if if our plan was we're going to order food still and we're not going anywhere other than hanging out here, you could literally tell them, you don't need to bring your mask. Right. Because we don't need to go that far with it. Like, even though we we didn't need to hang out with while wearing a mask because there were four we're four people hanging out, it's like ridiculous to say four of us who have been fully vaccinated need to do this. You know, and, and it, the idea is the it's the it's the principle of the matter. You don't need to bring it if, unless we're going to go somewhere. Because oh, right. like if like if we make and look, I'd still probably take one just about everywhere with me at this stage of the game, just because you never like we've gone look we've gone over and hung out with them and we sit there and go. Do we want to go out and get something like just to snack on right now? Like it's nine thirty at night, but do we want to do that? Like sure we do. And then right. you're run, then you're hopping in the car and you're running somewhere because you're like and 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 you need it right because like right. you like, but you don't and, need and it for the, anything the, else. The point to all that I assume is the fact basically players have had it even tougher because uh, for right, a while because, those restrictions where they couldn't even do things like that couldn't go to the grocery store right couldn't and because, hang out with two friends like. and because right and because the principle of the matter also being that. 
they were starting to take the same steps that everybody else was like as as this as as vaccinations were happening around the country to on, on a small scale at the beginning obviously but as they were happening and you go the availability is increasing more and more people are getting this it's not just doctors and nurses now it's not just essential workers it's becoming the general public they were now not jumping the line but also getting it and kind of the thought processes we've heard you know we, we i believe we briefly touched on robin laner a little bit before and we go the idea that you could have a little bit more leeway when it came to stuff and sure enough the league has loosened protocols a little bit carter hart mentioned something about going over to teammates houses and like having a dinner one being able like to have family uh, being able to again, do that right but being able to do it as teammates and go we can like finally there's something you can do that's away from the rink and away from being alone in your apartment and how how unfortunate is it that as carter hart is struggling giving up six goals a night sometimes he doesn't the, have the that camaraderie to fall back on not even that the only thing you have is to go home by yourself and be alone with your thoughts and what are your thoughts telling you oh, like, man. like in that moment look and, and uh, uh, this is me speaking from carter hart's brain if you will like you're in your own head going i suck like geez i'm terrible like and that's what you're sitting on the whole time and so there, then you and go there's then, no teammates to tell you no you don't you're good like, you're good you're good you're good well, no, look, I'm sure he hears some of that stuff. Like, if they do it in, in an inter interview setting or but whatever, it's not the same. It's not the same. You know, it, it yeah, it's not the same at all. So, like, but it just hit you funny. You know, like hearing him say that it hits you funny. Where you're like, damn, it just sucks that this was the year that you had to deal with, and it's like you're struggling, and you haven't seen your family in six months, and you haven't been able to get a release from this up until maybe what the last couple of weeks and you weren't even able to, able to play right like you've been hurt for the last month of the year anyway and like you know so that that's the unfortunate part so i like that that's the one thing i will take away from a lot of this is i do still have complete confidence in carter hart to be a good goaltender to be potentially great to be that player that we all think he can be i i don't i haven't lost that at all it's just he kind of Elaine Vigneault had said during his remarks, and it was a little bit, I don't want to say it was a little bit out of line, so to speak, but it was like he like, was sitting there almost pleading, I need a normal season. And kind of to me, I'm like, well, you can want it all you want to. I'd like a normal season, too. I'd like to have my normal spot in the press box. I'd, I'd like, like to a have, Lambo. Or, or, yeah, sure. I'd like to have, like, sure. There's a lot of stuff you'd wish for. Well, let's put it this way. He wants a normal season. I wanted to have a normal wedding last summer. It didn't happen. You know I what I mean? I wanted the Flyers to make the playoffs. It didn't happen. Well, uh, that's a little bit different, though. You could th there, there were things in people's powers that could have changed that, you know. But my point being, like, we all wanted some form of normalcy sooner, but it just doesn't work out that way. And it, there's no guarantee that you're necessarily going back to complete normalcy uh, by October. At least even. not right away, no. Not, and, and, and again, that's subject to the league, necessarily. I mean, like, look, you can hope that the country and maybe Canada as well is operating in, a, in such a way. Like, let's just wait. You know what I would love to? Yes, I'd love a normal season, too, from two standpoints from there, like from where they're coming from. I'd like for there to be more time between games so they actually do have time to practice and kind of, believe it or not, even from coverage, like from my, my vantage point of covering the team or a fan's perspective of watching it, th there was a point where I think it was mid-April mid to late April. It was not long, but it was about two weeks before they got knocked out of the playoffs, like, for good. Officially. They, they were already pretty much up, but there was a, th there were three days off before they played a back-to-back -back against the Rangers, and it was like, that felt like a week-long vacation. Like, 
oh my goodness, we actually had time to take a break from a game for a little while. Uh, listen, it's been three or four days since the last Flyers game, and boy, it feels like it's been a vacation. <laughs> Yeah, it, it kind of even, has. Even with exit interviews in between, the fact but, that I haven't had to watch any line, garbage hockey in four days. Right, but the bottom line being exactly that. Like, I would like a normal season two to have that, to also have it be not, um, you know, not always the same teams, to play within your division all the time. I so want to see way, the rest of the teams again. Well, because, it, yeah. well, let's put it this way. Isn't there a clear-cut advantage, and obviously there is, but isn't there a clear-cut advantage to sitting here saying, and I don't want to say, I don't. I want to be careful about who I pick when I say this, because sometimes you could get into the say, playoffs in just a second. All right, like, let's, <laughs> let's do this. No, but let's do this one. Wouldn't it be nice to sit there and say, you know what, they got a trip to Ottawa this weekend instead, and you're getting the Ottawa Senators on top yeah. of Tor- on top of Toronto and Montreal and going, okay, here's three teams you don't see every night who may not be able like, how easy can it be sometimes for a team in your division to go, this is how we played them once. Like, when the Devils lost the first game of the four games in a row, and then the next three come out and, and dominate, essentially. It's like, well, gee, did you learn something from that first game and then use it in the next three? I think you probably did. All right. The bigger problem there was that the Flyers didn't. Yeah, but that's I, well, I think that was a tale of one team accepting what they were and being like, OK, we can continue to try to get better with these younger players. And another being like, you know, we're already out of it. So, you know, you know, I think it's time that we finally put a bow officially on the 2021 Flyers. And, I think we have. Yeah, and we reach the end of the season. We had our exit interviews. We we will be talking about uh, what's going Stuff on as with it the happens. team moving forward. Uh, this is a good time to do a little programming note to note that we, uh, we're we recording this on Thursday night. It will be going up pretty immediately. There will not be a show this coming weekend. There will not be a show the following weekend. Our next show back, we're, we're full-blown in our summer schedule here. Our next show back will be Memorial Day weekend. It will come out that Sunday night as of right now, you know plans may change but as of right now it's scheduled to come out that sunday night and at that point we will be pretty much at the end of the first round of the playoffs so this is a pretty good time to do yeah. our pre- our playoff preview here and uh again we we've put the bow on the 2021 philadelphia flyers uh, it's rotten hell not even red rest <laughs> in peace this season can just disappear forever uh, uh, look and like like I said because I put up I put out a thing on Twitter and I put out a thing on Facebook and I know you saw it so the point being like look I did personally it was bittersweet because of the fact that you're like I didn't know how many games I was even getting to this year forget what happened on the ice specifically it's like I went down to a game in mid-January to start this season off in the building maybe a hundred people are there and I'm watching hockey in person yeah, this and, is the first season in several and, years that I didn't go to a game. And it was very, I'm not kidding, it was very freaky to do, but at the same time you're like, this is, it's a privilege. I'm That's here, I'm here, stuff. I'm here and no, like, without trying to make it, like, I'm, again, I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm being selfish about it, it's like, I'm here and, no, and almost nobody else is. Listen, and what you I have mean, a cool job and that comes with some cool perks. You're okay, you're allowed to brag about it every but once what in a while. But what I'm getting at from that is, is that, like, listen. I wouldn't have been opposed to, or I'm going to say opposed to, but like I would have understood if I got into that game and then didn't get into three more after and then was back and then like it was every other from there or something like that. You know what I mean? Like if it was not nearly as frequent, I would have said no big deal. Like it is what it is. That's kind of what you were expecting. I've got the TV. I've got the Zoom calls. I'm not really like, it's not like I had to be there to get into the locker room. That wasn't a concern. Right. So... So I'll take it. And I ended up at 25 out of 28 home games this year. You know? And 
and I think I had pretty good reasons for missing three, you know, like, you know, like get like taking the shot and right. and dealing Finding with after a, effects. Well, no, and dealing with a situation that could have involved, you know, COVID testing in certain situations, sure. I, you know, all luckily, like I said, all clear. And then I think weather was one, you know, like, oh, just not a good weather night. Take the night off. No reason to don't, risk it. Don't risk it. You know, and and I believe me, I'm stubborn when it comes to that because I do try to get down there as often as I can. I kind of have a, I guess that's the Ivan Provrov in me trying to do the Ironman streak if I could, but okay, you know, but whatever, it's okay. Like, I I so appreciated being there, and now what I think I'm going to appreciate as much as we talk often about, like, especially during the summer, we talk often about the rest of the league and things like that. Uh, open ice hits is going to be fun over the next few weeks because we're not, uh, we're taking, we're going under our summer schedule as you put it. Okay. Bros and I are not. Bros and I are going full bore because it's a full NHL podcast. There's always something to talk about in the playoffs. We're going all out. And and hey, if you're listening to us, you better be listening to Open Ice Hits with Hunter Brody. Uh, and as a matter of fact, you better be because that earlier today, new episode dropped. So we, again, we said we're recording this on Thursday night. So th- literally this morning, bright and early, I recorded that. And we went over just about i mean we don't have the finalized every series just yet i mean literally this is going to be decided tonight because colorado plays and that could determine president's trophy slash west division winner and then you'll get your one four two three in that division but every other division set so yeah, we let's... went through every we went through every series and we did not do what we're about to do because we're actually right. going to predict we're going to predict stuff yeah um, so what we're going to do we real did st- quick. yeah we did storylines which is just as fun but okay, i we're... i'm going back in because i have i do have my predictions written down so i'm going oh. right back into it i'm gonna ask you for three sets of predictions here okay okay you're gonna get the predict the prediction of each first round series okay so and that's both that's winner and number of games winner i'm not worried about number of games right now All right, we well, I, go crazy I, with it. I, I did that but we'll that's talk okay. about it um and I want who comes out of each division, who okay. makes the final four, and then I want Kevin Durso's official. Oh no, you're May thirteenth, twenty twenty one. I want Kevin Durso's official Stanley Cup prediction. So Cup, cup final or champion? Uh, who wins? Who lo- hoists Lord Stanley? All right, and you know uh, what? We're I gonna am... start. We're gonna start in the West. Uh, okay. The, the four playoff for... teams are Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis. Like you mentioned, Vegas and Colorado are still sorting out who gets number one. Okay. Now, I'm probably gonna be wrong in saying this. I have it written down that the assumption is Vegas will play St. Louis and Colorado will play Minnesota. That's fine. I full. I I actually kind of fully expect Colorado to win against L. A. and therefore claim the division title and the President's Trophy, but. I, I'm not a, like I'm not like it wouldn't really change. The only thing it would probably change at that point. Mm, maybe it wouldn't change anything. Actually, I, I actually think it would probably leave my numbers the same. And the, the regardless, I know who like my winners are going to stay the same no matter what. And, you and I both want Van, uh, Vegas and Colorado to play. Well, we've each already other in round said two, that, huh? right? Yeah, that, that might be the best individual playoff series of these playoffs in terms of quality of team involved. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like I in a in a normal world, this is your Western Conference final. That's a damn good Western Conference final. Is it? Or would yeah, they still yeah, no, or would they still have to face each other before they got to the conference final because of the They way are the in the same division, are. aren't they? Yep. God, I hate the schedule. I like the schedule. I really do. Even this year, the COVID year eighteen whatever. <laughs> but the normal schedule where you play every every team in the league at least twice. Conference opponents three times, division opponents five, whatever. Yeah. I love that during the season. I love that for scheduling purposes. Drives right. me now, insane that that's what, how they determine the playoffs. 
Well, nonetheless. All right, so <laughs> sorry. So no, so where are we where are we going with this one? So we just trying to we just going right at it with the predictions right away. Or? Yeah. So let's uh, let's assume it's Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado, Minnesota. All right. Fine. Obviously, we know that subject to change, but I I have Vegas and Colorado both getting through in no more than five games. All right, that's interesting then. Yeah. Uh, I, if if it if it is Vegas, St. Louis, I do also have Vegas in five. Okay. So I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. That's pretty easy. I am not kidding you when I say this. I actually have Colorado beating Minnesota in seven. You know what? I get it. Minnesota is a very underrated team this year. I think there's a lot of people that don't think they are up to those standards. They're actually, as I'm looking at it right now, they're playing St. Louis right now and already up to nothing. Are they really? They yes. Sure are. Yeah. They're a they are a very good team that that, and you know what it is? They don't have what, and I don't even know like. I want to say I don't know if you can say this about you can say this, you can definitely say this about Colorado or about Vegas maybe not Colorado, they don't necessarily have a guy who you go that's the superstar, you know Vegas has a couple that are very borderline that like Vegas has names maybe they're right. not like quite like superstars they they're, have top tier they're not guys. McDavid no level superstars guys, but yes right. they're like right there and I'm like okay that's fine so like let's um. By the way, uh, my hot prediction of the offseason is that Vegas trades for Jack Eichel. But we'll talk about that on the next show. Oh, I, I think I know a different team that will have him by the end of it. And, it's, and people aren't going to like it who know. listen to this show. Sure is the New York Rangers, isn't it? No, it's not. Oh, God. Okay, well, then that's a good tease. We'll talk about that on our next show. Tune back in on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, <laughs> all right, so you got you have a seven-game series for Colorado, Minnesota. And you know what? I get it. Yeah. Colorado. Colorado. If they get saves, they're winning that series. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no look, I, I think Colorado is one of the best all-around teams. I just have this weird feeling that Minnesota is going to try to look. Everybody, and I'm not kidding. It feels like just about everybody has Vegas, Colorado penciled in for round two, and I think Minnesota is going to try to throw a, they have a chip huge, on their shoulder. I think no, but I think they're just going to try to throw a huge wrench into that. Like I like it. I, I can just see it. So that is that that is my first round for you. Obviously, there are other factors, but yeah. What, now, who look, do you have coming out of that division? Then uh, I have Colorado coming out of that. Yeah, you, you have Colorado struggling in round one, going seven games in but round using, one, but, but still using getting through it, Vegas. Yeah, because I have them using it to get better. Like I have this feeling that they're going to. I don't. I don't. They're not going to overlook Minnesota. That's not the point. I just think Minnesota is going to give them a run for their money. And that does, look, that doesn't mean that Vegas won't either. I just think Colorado still has an edge there in some way. And I'm like, okay, that's who I have coming out of that division. Right. Well, I, I can easily see a world, too, where, you know, uh, it, is Co- Colorado's it is dangerously up, close. Colorado's up 3-1, and Vegas takes care of business, and, and Colorado starts to look ahead a little bit because they're up 3-1, and Vegas is through. and starts to become a little real, and Minnesota steals five, maybe steals six. Yeah, I could see a world where this happens. Okay, okay. there we go. Which one um, next? Before we go, we're, we're not doing champion until the end. So go ahead. I say yeah, Colorado. Uh, Colorado out of the re- out of the west. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's work our way west to east here and go with the central. Perfect. The four, the four playoff teams are Carolina, Florida, Tampa, and Nashville. And the matchups we do know are Carolina, Nashville, and then the battle of Florida, the Florida Panthers yeah. and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's start there. What do you think about that matchup? Which well, we're saying Florida, Tampa. The Florida matchup. Yep. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, I, I did say this earlier on Open Ice Hits, too. I'm a little surprised, I think, that it was home ice to, to the Florida Panthers. I really fully expected Tampa Bay would be at least a number two. Uh, I do. Tampa's the, the key with Tampa is who are they getting back and right. who's healthy? The key with Tampa is salary cap shenanigans. 
Let's just let's just say it like it is. Nikita Kucherov has been skating for nine or ten weeks and has not been cleared to come back. Come on, <laughs> come on. Because it turns out, I don't know if if people listening know this, but if you put a player on LTIR and he doesn't come back till the playoffs start, you get to completely write his number off your cap. So Nikita Kucherov's number, once they shut him down for the season, his number disappeared and they got to add at the trade deadline. If you were wondering why Tampa made trades at the deadline to add and how they had the how they possibly had the room to do that, it's because of shenanigans. <laughs> okay. Um now I, there is one big question mark for me and actually it's something that's a recent development because Victor Hedman's battling through something and he's going to play through something. Right. And that's pretty significant. That's about yeah. it. I mean, look, I well, and even you do if also have Kucherov coming back and he hasn't you been do. skating and Stamkos is coming back and you know the gang is coming back together. I mean, here's another thing too. All right, listen, here's another thing too, okay? Because I'm saying about Hedman, see Stamkos doesn't do anything for me when it comes to this either. Like if they are without Stamkos, they played so much of the playoffs last year without they Stamkos. They won the cup without I, like, Stamkos last year essentially. essentially. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So I'm like that even doesn't really do anything for me. Like I know they can beat teams without that. I think it's more a matter of what does Florida truly have at this point? How good can their top line be? I, I, I Who I, starts in goal for the Florida Panthers? I still think it's Bob. I agree with you. But the I, secondary I, I think question you got is if you, lose, if you lose the first two games, does Chris Drieger, Drieger start? Does Spencer Knight see some action? Like, how long a leash does Bob have? If they get blown out 6 nothing in games one and two, does Bob start game three? You know what I mean? Like, where yeah, do I we go here? Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. But Florida is one of those teams. Yeah. They're either losing in four or five, or they're making a run to the cup final. Huh. And okay. It, to me, there's not a whole lot of in between. I don't think there's any world where they kind of make it to the second round and limp out or make it to the third round. Like, it's all or nothing for the Florida Panthers. And if they get hot at the right time, Alexander Barkov can take over games. Jonathan Huberdeau can take over games. Sergei Bobrovsky can steal you a game or two in each round. I'm not saying they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I'm saying if they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Florida Panthers are a team to be very concerned about. <laughs> uh, that being said, Tampa in, far, in four. So. <laughs> I was a little bit more conservative than you because last year we did. Last year we made picks that didn't go well in round one. I said Tampa in six. You know what? I'm, I'm going to lie. Tampa in five because I think it will take a game for Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman to all kind of gel back together. I stand by my answer. Tampa in six. Okay. Uh, Carolina, Nashville. Going to be an interesting one, honestly, because Carolina's kind of known where they are. To a, to an extent, I mean, they they were challenging for the division and the uh, and they clinched the division and then they were challenging for the presidents for a while, but Nashville's kind of had to play in playoff mode for a while and it's either going to do one of two things: it's either going to get them on a run or that it's going to gas the, them, or, or they're going to be gassed by the time it gets yeah. in there. Right? It's either it's either the tank's empty or they're fueled for it. You I see have it every this weird, year. Yep. I have this weird feeling they're another team that's going to create problems. They are. They are last year, and, and understand what I mean when I say this, because this is probably a good comparison. They are last year's Montreal Canadiens. They are, okay. like, you never really think they're winning the series, but there's moments that happen, and they do pull off a couple, like a win or two, that you go, oh, wow, they might actually have something for this series. What happens if they win game six, you know, or whatever, right? Like The, the problem is, I think this year's Carolina Hurricanes are better than last year's Philadelphia Flyers. 
Well, I, right? I, I, and you're making comparisons to the, the Montreal team I, making that series difficult. On I mean, the Philadelphia I guess Flyers look, and, and, look, no, look in hindsight, I think last year's Carolina Hurricanes were better than this year's than the last year's Philadelphia Flyers. Well, spoiler alert. I might mention the Carolina Hurricanes a couple times later on as we, oh, okay. as we move through further predictions here. All right, look, I, I'll, so I'll give my I'll give my prediction for this series first, because yeah. you've done the last couple. I, I have Carolina in six, so okay. I'm look. I don't think Nashville's pulling off the upset, but I do think there are moments in the series where you're going, "Is there an upset alert ahead?" Like, do not, and I'm not kidding when I say this. Don't be surprised if Nashville maybe wins Game One. I could. I was actually going to say I wouldn't be super surprised if Nashville wins one and two, even, and that's a little bit bold because you're coming into Carolina and you're taking two games in Carolina, and I get that. And and just watch what seriously about that. Watch what happens if that's the case, and you get watch, to go to Nashville. Yep. Watch how the Carolina Hurricanes buckle down and win four straight after that. I got the Carolina Hurricanes in six games. Okay. But I but I think it's specifically. Nashville starts hot, kind of rides that well, momentum. Uh, see, of, we desperately needed to make the playoffs. See, I can't see. I can't see them winning the first two. Uh, like, I can honestly, I can see them winning game one. I, then I see Carolina. They have the goaltending to steal you a game, though. And and if Carolina struggles at anything, sometimes you're not putting quite enough well, that goals is, up on the board. That is their biggest question because you kind of almost have to ask yourself, who you know, is it going to be Peter Morazic? Is it going to be James Reimer? Or is it going to be this kid? You know, and look, you're Flyers, kind of in a similar situation to the Florida Panthers. Yes, but at the same, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, here's the thing about Alex Nedeljkovic. People, we know who that is. We know that name because we, we remember a very long playoff game between the Phantoms and Charlotte Checkers that involved Alex Nedeljkovic. Yep, and he was good. And he was very good. You know, and that's the thing. And he was good in that series. He a he game really, doesn't go to five overtimes if your goalie sucks. Sure, absolutely. So that's the thing. So it's like, I do wonder about that. I really do think that, like, see, to me, I think it's tied after two, possibly, and then there's a game again. Same thing. It's either tied after four or it's, you know, some, I don't know. It, but it's going to be one of those deals. And I think Nashville's going to really actually make this interesting. So that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, look, all of these series, even the most lopsided one, you know, one dimensional blah, blah, blah series we're going to talk about, it's still the playoffs. It's still yeah. going to be great. Come it on. is still the playoffs. Uh, all Where right. do you want to go next? So I'm going to leave it up to you. Do you want to go east first or north first? We can go north because it's the next one up on my list. So. Okay. Yeah. I'm also looking at the NHL app. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. This is I actually – I'm not looking at the app. I'm actually looking at my uh, notes on my phone. Oh, okay. it's, I'm literally in my notes section. So, so the four playoff teams here, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal, which coming into the season – real quick. Coming into the season – is anything really that surprising there? Like Calgary not making it is probably the biggest surprise of that division. Um, Calgary and Vancouver a little. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think Vancouver is in kind of a similar situation to the Flyers where they were kind of expected to take that next step forward out of a lot Van of their Vancouver young players. Also, Vancouver's also playing games while the playoffs go on because they literally had to come back and play down the stretch like this in a year where, by that point, everybody was like, they probably weren't making the playoffs anyway. You should just shut them down. Right. As much as we mentioned COVID not being an excuse for the Flyers, and it's not. If any team in the league really has a excuse. case for COVID being an excuse, there's two teams in my mind. Yeah. It's the Vancouver Canucks and it's the Dallas Stars. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I suppose uh, so. But either way, Vancouver is not going to make the playoffs, and we do finally know that. Uh, Calgary's not making the playoffs. Ottawa, by the way, did not finish last in that division, and keep your eyes out for next year. 
that being said, uh, Toronto and Montreal. First, so fun fact that I did read about this series. <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw this one. Okay. Every single time these two teams have played in the playoffs, yeah, the winner has won the Stanley Cup. Really? Okay, that's every single one. time these two teams have played in the playoffs, the winner has gone on to have a parade. That's interesting. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, and that, that being said, I'm still picking Carolina to come out of the the, the Central Division. By the way, you didn't. You, you oh, didn't we didn't me, do that. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, because I did tease that I may be picking Carolina for something else later. and you know, That's we'll really there, tough. I mean, because I look at the two that I picked to win the first round series, and I go, either one of them could get there, and I wouldn't be shocked. I'll g- You know what? Carolina-Tampa give- is a hell of a second round series. It is too. a hell of a second round series. <laughs> I'll give the edge to Carolina. because, And I'll say, you know, let's this way. It's, it's really hard to repeat, for one. It's really hard to do. And two... I actually just think that Rod Brindamore's got something. You know, I really Rod Brindamore's do. got something. You're not wrong about that. Uh, I I agree that Carolina's coming out of the uh, the Central. Uh, back to the North. Yes, Toronto the North. Montreal is the first matchup we're talking about here. Uh, Austin Matthews versus Shea Weber, right? <laughs> oh sure. Uh, is that it, no? That look that doesn't quite rub off the way that the other one that we will do later does. No. You know, I mean. We all know this. We all know the second round scenario we want out of this division, and I think we're going to get it. We all want Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid to play against each I, and other. I, and I'm, see, I, I think we're going to get it. Okay. Well, f- so you think Toronto's beating Montreal? How long do you think that takes? I have six. Okay. Um, I kind of have Toronto as long as their goaltending is okay, and it kind of looks like Jack Campbell's going to be their starter. Frederick Anderson's healthy. There's a mess going on there. But as long as their goaltending is solid, I got Toronto in five. Like, they just have the firepower to blow the doors off of Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Edmonton and Winnipeg. It, I, can't, I can't name a single player on Winnipeg <laughs> who can – well, I can name players on Winnipeg, but I can't name oh, a single okay. player on Winnipeg who could in any capacity be defensively responsible for Conor McDavid. <laughs> And if they do manage to stick three guys on Connor McDavid, oh, by the way, there's Leon Dreisaitl. Broads had something really funny on Open Eyes Heads this morning because he sat there and said something about, like, we're not watching it for Winnipeg at all. There's nobody. I'm not in this for Mark Scheifele. It's Shifley. the Connor McDavid show. No, and and I, I started to laugh when he said it because I went, well, interestingly enough, my storyline from the Winnipeg side would be to see the Kyle Connor Mark Scheifele dynamic because they they do contribute to a lot of their goals and That's offensive fair. success. That being said, this is all about Connor McDavid. Can he keep this going? What he's already been doing? I mean, look, the guy also has what? What is he up to? He had 13 points over four games to get to 100 in the first place or something Insane. like that. It was something ridiculous. Is is Winnipeg's best defenseman still Neil Pion? Because Connor McDavid might have 30 points in a seven-game series. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't mean, think the series goes seven games, but he might have 20 points in a five-game series. That's craziness. I actually believe Because <laughs> you know it's a possibility? <laughs> yeah. No, nothing's really... Nothing is really impossible. He's a video game. Yeah, he is. He's a cheat code. Uh, okay, so we both have Toronto and Edmonton making it through. Yeah. Uh, who who wins that and comes out uh, of the By North? the way, it, I, I have Edmonton in six, by the way. Okay, uh, I'll go Edmonton in six also. I think that's about right. I'm being very careful, if you, if you haven't noticed. I got no sweeps this year. I know. I noticed. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> we, we already talked sweeps, and I'm not like, like a year ago. I am not, so you no, know. And, it, and again, this is a topic that we're probably going to talk, talk much more about on our next show. 
I... But it looks like we are careening towards a second round matchup of Toronto and the Austin Matthews versus Edmonton and the Connor McDavid's. <laughs> Yeah, that's really, it's going to be a phenomenal. Um, so I guess you asked me who's coming out of it. I may go with a little bit, I'm not calling it a hot take, but it's a little bit spicy on this regard. I think Edmonton's coming out of it. Oh, man. Oh, that's, I, again, I don't necessarily think it's ridiculous, so I'm certainly not going to call it like a hot take or whatever, but it's it's a little spicy. That's a it's good going one. To, I think I can promise people it's going to be a show. This oh, is yeah. literally like, you have no idea how much I not only that I want that series for those two players to go against each other, but how much I wish it was like on ESPN already. Like that that sh- that needs to be prime time television every single night. You need to have those two on television every night. Yep. And the disappointing thing is, unless uh, Edmonton gets very very good, and again they've kind of caught lightning in a bottle with Mike Smith this year, and you know. But let's be real. How sustainable is that? It might this, not be. It might that might work in their favor though, because I, you're just going to get these crazy high scoring games, and it might work. But I'm saying this might be the NHL's only chance to market this. Yeah, well, you, well that's why I said that's why I'm saying you better take advantage. Well, let's let let me rephrase. This might be the NHL's only chance to market this while McDavid is still in Edmonton, <laughs> uh, because that's a whole other topic that we can talk about. Uh, we'll talk about Jack, Jack Eichel on the next show. Don't you worry. <laughs> It's Jack Eichel. Here we go. So uh, you have Edmonton coming out of that division. I'm going to stick with Toronto just because they've been so, 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 so good. Yeah, uh, they have. There's a and look, if, there's... You, if you remove the 12 games surrounding Austin Matthews' in, uh, injury, the three games he played through before, the eight afterward where he only had, I think, a combined yeah. f- I, three goals in those I, 13 games. I will say full disclosure, we're getting down to the eight teams that we think are going to be left. I don't know that there's one that I go, yeah, I'm shocked if they're there. Like every single team could make it. Every single team could be in the Stanley Cup final. And I would not be shocked about it. Like speaking gonna, of speaking gonna, of a division where any team can make the Stanley Cup finals or miss the playoffs. Let's get to the East here. Oh, this is the, this is probably the best one. It's a good one. So, uh, if you've been following along, you probably know the four playoff teams. And uh, our first match, uh, our first round is going to be Pittsburgh against the New York Islanders. Yep. And then, oh, maybe the first round series I'm the most excited for in the entire playoffs: Washington, Boston, the Washington you Capitals, really see this. and the Boston Bruins. All right. Holy, already, that's a good one. We're going to save that one for a second. Let's yeah, do Pittsburgh I, I know, Islanders first. I know. I was, all I was going to sit there and say is, I, and I told Broads this this morning, I already made plans. I'm watching it with a buddy of mine on Saturday. Yep. I'm so excited about this. If if I wasn't COVID positive, I'd be having similar plans at the moment. Well, Absolutely. Not, and not only that, but I, it's going to get even better because I'm watching it with my Boston fan friend. Oh, so no. it's like, no, at this point in time, I've, I've already, look, we've sympathized enough over the fact that I had to watch some pretty god-awful stuff this year. Right. So I'm like, you know. Pittsburgh Islanders. Let's talk about the series that we're less excited to talk about first. It's still going to be a good one. <sighs> yeah. I don't really know who is going to win this series. Oh, I don't either. I know. It's really close. Because I think so much depends on Pittsburgh's goaltending. It does. That's their biggest question mark coming here's, in. You're right. Here's the logic I'm going with. Okay. It's really hard to get bet against Sidney Crosby in the playoffs. It is. Pittsburgh... In seven. Oh man, you're stealing all my thunder. That's what I have. Pittsburgh in okay. seven. Also, okay. um, I listen. I, I've talked about this before. We've talked about this back and forth. We've obviously had, we obviously had to talk about this a lot last playoff when the Islanders were making a run. 
I really like their team. I really, really do. And I really like their coach, obviously. But, man, I think I, I, I just think Pittsburgh, and I, I honestly, what it came down for me was less about betting against Sidney Crosby, and I went, Jeff Carter looks like he's getting hot at the right That's time. That's true. And Kasperi Kapanen's back, and he looks good. And, like, they've, yeah. got, they've got a talented offensive group that is heating up and doing things at the right time, and it just feels like they were motivated down the stretch to win that division, and that's really something for them. So I just worry. I, I almost, I'm not kidding, I think I almost worry that the Islanders weren't winning enough down the stretch. Not that they weren't winning. They're they kind of were, limping to the finish line a little bit here. I just feel like, the, and they're still going to be missing guys. Like it's still not going to be completely the same team from a year ago. And and their additions haven't done as much as Pittsburgh's have. Like we haven't heard about Kyle Palmieri as much as we've heard about Jeff Carter, and that really says something. I think so. You know, this might be, this might be, a home ice type series. Where their home teams just kind of win all the games, and because Pittsburgh has home ice and they have home ice in Game Seven, they win the series. Because you trust Barry Trotz when he has last line change, mm-hmm. you're gonna get your best matchups. Sid's not gonna have a good time playing on the island. Yeah, I can see it. But and then in Pittsburgh, he gets to run free a little bit, and, and, and it, you know you get those favorable matchups. And it's funny because I said this on open ice hits and Broads kind of laughed at me because he thought he joked that I was taking a shot at Islanders fans. And I said, not at all. I do think home ice advantage matters in this series. That that one extra home game means something to Pittsburgh. Entirely. I absolutely yeah. think it does. Uh, so you also have Pittsburgh in seven. Yes, I do. Now, now, this now here's the real question. Let's get to it. I, I know this is the one right here. Would Would your prediction be different if Tom Wilson was suspended for the series? I'll start there. No. Okay. Oh, so do you have do you have the Boston Bruins beating the Washington Capitals? I do. Ooh, baby! How many games? Six. No less than six, right? This this series is the guarantee that it won't end early. It has <laughs> to be. This has to be a slugfest. My response to this, and this is where I'm going with this, is I just don't know. Like every team that's in the re- in the East right now, I feel like we've asked ourselves a question. With Pittsburgh, it's Jari. Can he carry them through a game if he was? asked to right like if it came down to it and you're like you need to be better better than everybody else on the ice because it's not going to happen offensively tonight then can he do it Washington's question mark is how healthy are they because they had a lot of injuries down the stretch they still have stuff going on with the COVID list and all that stuff I would also throw a minor question mark in about goaltending oh and uh, well definitely just because you don't have Brayden Holtby anymore right what is what is Vitek Vanacek Or even if, or go. even if Ilya Samsonov comes back, what is, is he? That, right. And again, the Islanders. The thing was, they've been dealing with injuries throughout the year, and then like, have they limped into the playoffs a little bit? Perhaps, like, at least to come. Like, and listen, I'm saying that like in terms of they got to get through Pittsburgh first, then they have to win another series to be the team that comes out of it. Right. So every team I have a question mark about, and then I get to Boston and I go, "What's the biggest question mark we have?" Scoring depth again, but Taylor Hall's there, and he's looking Taylor pretty Hall darn sure good. Taylor Hall sure helps, right? And I really believe that that makes a huge difference for them. Like, I don't think they're a one-line team anymore. I don't think that they lack the scoring depth they did even a month ago. And defensively, they've been pretty good. They've probably got the best goaltending situation in the division because you've got two experienced veterans and a kid who has run with his opportunity. Yep. And Absolutely. all three of them could all three of them could get in a game. I wouldn't be shocked if it happens. And I think they could win with all three of them. That's uh, how entirely. Good it is. You know, so 
Boston's a scary squad at this point. So maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit from where we are in this, but that's the team I have coming out of the East. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Boston in seven over Washington. I think it's gonna be a little tougher. Okay, but I get it. Um, man, this might be the Flyers fan talking. <laughs> I can't, in good conscience, pick the Penguins to come out of this division. <laughs> so it's Boston. It's Boston. Yeah. Okay. Now let me let me throw this in about my six to your seven in that series. I think that if Washington's not up, and and believe me, when they played a what would they play half of the Boston Bruins in that last game? Yeah, and, Ovech- like that, and, yeah. no, and Ovechkin's trying to come back and things like that. If they're off on their timing and they're off on their rhythm and it just doesn't seem like they're clicking, like I could see Boston jumping out to to a to a two nothing series lead, and then. Washington struggling to get it all the way back to Close seven. Back like, that's in, right. why I say six because I think that from there, if you tell Boston you got to win two out of four to get to the next round, Boston they'll find, find a, way. a way to win two out. They'll of four. do it, yeah. or two out of five. I'm, I should say sorry, two out of five. Then they'll do it in four. I you're you're not wrong, and in the same way you can't bet against Sidney Crosby in the playoffs. Right, kind of tough to get bet against Patrice Bergeron in the playoffs. Not quite to the same pedigree, of course, but the right. rest of that Boston team kind of makes up for some of that. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited now that we've kind of gone through our little predictions here. Uh, Kevin, I believe you have Boston, Edmonton, uh, Colorado, and Vegas? Or no, Colorado no, no. and uh, Carolina. Carolina? Okay. So it was Colorado, Carolina, uh, Boston, and Edmonton. So that... Those are those are your final four. Who wins That's, the cup out of those four teams? Okay, so let me just just to be clear, based on my four teams that I have coming out of each division, that would mean based on where it is right now that Colorado would play Edmonton, I believe. Uh, actually, never mind. I can't say anything. We don't know yet. Right. Ed, we don't, Edmonton yeah. has Edmonton has one extra game that could change this whole thing around. So as the standings sit right now, it would be Colorado against Edmonton and Carolina against Boston in the semifinals. Yeah. So it would basically be East versus West. But, like you'd but, end up with East versus West there. Uh, unless Edmonton wins their final regular or, season game. Or unless and Carolina leap- slips through. Actually, Edmonton Edmonton doesn't – well, no, because Carol- Carolina and Colorado can't change places. Okay, so okay. they would be the two home teams out of that. But Edmonton could even with just one point in the final game get the tiebreaker and be ahead of Boston. So that would change it around. Then you would have that would be fun. You would have Colorado Boston against Carolina Edmonton. Right, but in, I'm not asking your... you to analyze those four matchups. I'm asking you to pick one of those four teams. Okay, pick and declare one of the a four. cup winner. Who, Colorado. Who... Okay, so May 13th, Colo- I have, Kevin Durso declares the Colorado Avalanche. I have I have been a fan of this team all year. I think they click the best out of everyone. And and again, it's really hard to look at teams like Vegas, who they'll play probably to get right. there. And say, oh, it's going to be an easy road there. Like, they're not going to have an easy road no matter what it is, because you're going to have more than likely, based on the way I'm at least looking at the standings, you're going to have. Look, if Colorado wins the game that they play tonight in the final game of the regular season, they will have St. Louis. If they have St. Louis, I don't think they'll have any issues. I think they'll be in the second round. And then Vegas will come along, or Minnesota, after a stunning upset, will come along. And really challenge them to get to the final four alone. Then you have to take whoever they would play. And based on where they are and who they would probably play based on who I think is going to make it. If they play a Boston in the semifinal, that's going to be tough. And then they'd have to play a team like, I mean, who would they get at that point? Either Carolina or Edmonton. And it's like, 
at that mm-hmm. point. And, and and when you're three rounds deep in the playoffs, half the game is about who's left, who's standing. I, I will say one thing about the matchup, and I'm not going to pick who I think they would play per se, but I am actively rooting for an all-West or all-East final by the traditional just standards. Just for chaos, absolutely. J- just to sit there and look like, like, honestly, and I'm not kidding about this, if you gave me a Carolina-Boston Stanley Cup final, not that I want the Bruins to say win the cup again or whatever, but what I'm saying is that if you gave me a Carolina-Boston Cup final and the point of that whole story was the two best teams of the year were out of the Eastern Conference, which we already know is stacked as it is because how many right. I mean, how many teams from the East Division alone were we like, oh, they could have made the playoffs. Oh, we thought they were going to make the playoffs. Yep. And, and guess what? Part of it, truthfully, is about playing each other so many times that if you lose consistently to one of those teams, you knock yourself right out of the race. And like we that saw was the Flyers do that. Right. And and in the beginning what was it? In the beginning it was they can't beat Boston. They can't beat Boston. Every single time they play Boston, they can't win. And they actually finished the year with two wins against Boston, ironically enough. But yeah, besides they just didn't the point, have any wins against anybody else at that point. <laughs> no, but no, but in fairness, here's the thing about it. When you play a team eight times a year throughout your throughout the course of playing just the division, you do like the Flyers beat every team in the division this year at one point or another, whether it was beating Pittsburgh from the very opening game, beating the Sabres four games into the season, beating the Islanders in the first month of the season, beating the Rangers when they came back from COVID, beating Boston finally down the stretch of the season, or beating whoever else, New Jersey when New Jersey wasn't off to the best start. You know, they beat everybody in that division at some point. They even beat Washington really early on, right? you know, before their pause. And everything at that point looked like, well, they can hang with anybody, but that and that to me, like that's the optimistic approach, I guess, to the offseason is that among those divisional teams, and they'll play a lot of the same ones. And granted, no, if we go back to the same rotation, okay, so you look at who got better, who got worse. Okay, Columbus is going to be a disaster going forward, probably. So you're like, okay, that's one area where the Flyers aren't maybe as bad as Columbus was. Carolina is obviously a huge threat. They wouldn't have to play Boston all the time. That would help. Thank um, God. And, and, and who else am I missing from that? I mean, there's not many else I'm missing, right? Islanders, Rangers, still. Washington, still. Pittsburgh, still. You know, right, New, get, Jer- New Jersey, and still. Columbus back. Yeah. Right, so that's it. Carolina and Columbus. So Carolina is really good and Columbus is not. Right. So, so what did and you you're do? You're losing Buffalo and Boston, so you're you're trading. So you replaced Boston right. with Carolina, and you replaced Buffalo with Columbus, and there right. you go. It's a push, you know. So right. at the end of the day, you just would need to be able to show you could beat those teams as well, and then you wouldn't have to face them as frequently. That's the other thing too. And the other thing is that you have a second wild card to shoot for, which you didn't have this year with just the top four spots. Right. I mean, well, you have a lot of things to shoot for at that point because then it, then it is top three in the division plus two wild cards. So again, it's. It's less that about being in the up. top four, but it's more about like – because, uh, look, I did see a lot of stuff, and I think the Flyers finished overall. like They'll end up with the 13th pick in the draft if it finishes the right way. Like They're 19th in the league in points is what they finished at. Right. The Montreal Canadiens made the playoffs one point better than them. Yeah. You know what Sometimes I mean? Sometimes like, it's the distribution of what, le- what division you play in. And, look, to me that's a good thing because – it's it, it tells me that, look, I'd rather you play in the toughest division and have to get to a certain level to be in the running. Because it tells me that if you had to play anybody else, you should be able to compete with them too. Like, look, we I, I, I fully believe we expected it. If they had to play Carolina in the playoffs, it would have been an, a series that they could hang in. Why? Because they would have been able to hang with a Pittsburgh or a Washington or, a, you know, even they were playing Tampa well, you know. Right. Like, you're hanging with those teams, you're on that level, you maybe can beat them. 
then you can go into a playoff series and maybe beat anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, real quick, before we get out of here, because it is getting dark if you're watching the YouTube video, it's getting dark in my room. Uh, I, I had Boston. It's no match for my lights. You know? I got <laughs> I had Boston, Toronto, Carolina, and Colorado coming so we out. Only, so we only had one difference. It was yep. only the North Division. Yep. And I have the Carolina Hurricanes winning the Stanley Cup. I kind of had a feeling when you said well, yeah. you were going to mention them a couple times. I knew where you were yeah. going. Yeah, I just they're 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 good, man. They are and good, and I don't doubt the that, fact like, that you. The, they're kind of in a similar. They're poor man's Boston in their goaltending situation, right? Because they have two solid, mm-hmm. solid, fine, dependable ish NHL backups. I don't know if and I would go he, so far as Boston, but I know your point. I said poor man's Boston. Yeah, like, well, I'm James sorry. Reimer isn't Tuka Rask. I know that. Uh, I was, I was going to say, I'm still having Peter Morazic nightmares. So. But I think Alex Nedeljkovic will probably end up emerging as the Carolina starter as it goes. That would be interesting. I think yeah. it would be interesting. Now, so here's here's kind of a thing. Can we maybe agree on this, too? That we we all, both of us said Colorado, Carolina, and um, what was the other one we had? Boston. Yeah, so that, we, those we are obviously not happening. They're all losing in the first round. No, that's not what I'm saying. So we, 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 we agreed on those three. Uh, is it fair to say that because you picked Toronto and I picked Edmonton, that's probably like that's four or five that those are the top five teams to probably watch for because probably, feel, you know, and, and, and I look, I'm not trying to t- no disrespect to other teams that I think could be there. Like I certainly Absolutely. like I said that about the final eight. I could see Pittsburgh there. I could see Vegas there. Obviously, I could see you know, like. It's like it's it's almost unfair again. We've already talked about this, but it's almost unfair that Vegas and Colorado would have to play before getting to that point because, like, that we should be that the conference final, final. Right. or it should be like a conference final, conference final at minimum. Right. Yeah. Well, instead, we're stuck with the playoff schedule we got, and the playoff schedule we got starts on Saturday, and I'm very yeah. excited. And they started real strong with Boston, Washington. They know what they're doing. Yeah, you know why they really know what they're doing, too? Because that's an NBC game after the Preakness, I think. So like that, that's that's your Prime traditional... viewership. But that's your traditional watch the horse race, and right when it's over, let's go to Washington. Hey, the hockey game's on. Yeah. Yep, let's go to Washington right now. Boom. Yep. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. Yeah, I, I don't know I'm about ready you, for but this. I'm, I'm very excited about it, and uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm also a little bit excited to take a little bit of a break. Oh, I am too, for sure. Programming reminder, uh, if you missed it before, we will be back Memorial Day weekend. We're taking a couple weeks off. We're in our summer schedule. We will be every other week from here on out. uh, And that will start on Memorial Day weekend is the plan so far. Uh, If you're following us on Twitter at YWT Podcast, uh, congratulations. Uh, If not, you should be. You should also you can also find the show pretty much everywhere you find podcasts, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, SportsTalkPhilly dot com. Uh, make sure to follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso, and uh, I think that's kind of it. We we talked about a short show, and it's not a short show. Uh, no, we spent we did spend the last half of the show doing playoffs, so which took a little bit of time. That's the only reason. You're right, and it's much more topical than talking about concerts for the last forty minutes. So, uh, oh yeah, we 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 th- at least it was all hockey this time. And look, we already trust said, me, we're that taking, stuff we're taking, will come in the summer. And well, we already said we're taking a break, so don't worry about it. Like we're coming yep. back in a couple of weeks, we'll actually have hockey to talk about, and, and we won't have flyer stuff to throw in there. So we'll be we'll ha- right. Legitimately we'll have hockey to talk about, hour. and we'll have quality hockey that we're excited to talk about. And yes. I can't wait for that. So. uh and I'll be all warmed up because there will still be open ice hits during that time. So I'm going to be all warmed up for all this. All right, I feel like a kid on Christmas. The The playoffs start in two <laughs> days. I'm very excited. I turned around. I told Broads this morning because the schedule wasn't out yet. I'm like, the only one game's out, so it doesn't feel real yet. And as soon as the schedule came out and he was texting me around the same time I went, 
Okay. Now in. now Let's I'm excited. Go. Like because because it's not just Saturday anymore. It's like, oh, there's three games on Sunday. Okay, yes. Like, this is what I want now. Like I I am it's the only thing I'm disappointed about and I guess it makes enough sense because everything's back in their own market. I I still like I loved those 12-hour hockey sessions during the bubble. I know it wasn't ideal for the players, but no. I loved that. So like I, look, I don't mind the idea of the Sunday one though. The Sunday being 12:30, I think it was 12:30, 3 o'clock, 7:30, like give me that three oh, games in order where I don't have to worry about which one I'm watching and channel surf and do all that like I'm excited. I'm going to have to turn cuz people don't people don't know this. I'm going to have to turn turn my desk which has two monitors on it sideways again, so it line so it aligns with the TV, so I can have three things on. Oh, that's funny. I don't know if you saw this or not, because you're not really on Twitter, but Broads no. tweeted a video today about while he was watching the Phillies game and all this stuff, blah blah blah. And he goes, "By the way, little behind the scenes thing." And he took his phone and he's filming like the way his little things. And he's got right. this really nice little space because he's got an L-shaped desk that has the two monitors on it and all that stuff. The camera set up. You got right. that. He's got his laptop with a game on. There's two other TV monitors in the room that have two other baseball games on, and the two mon- and the one monitor on the desktop has a game on. So he had Dedication. four ba- he had four baseball games running from laptop, one computer screen, and two televisions. And like I'm sitting there going, "Yeah, that's me when there's four games on at seven o'clock in the playoffs or something like that." Like I need that. So like that's why I said I might have to turn and, and do the same thing and be like, "Look at my monitors." That's uh, that's dedication right there. Yes, it is. Well, I'm ex- I'm, I'll, I'll be dedicating myself to the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm excited. You're excited. Broads is excited. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. See you.